Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. I'm Tony Kerr. With me today, I've got the Press's sports editor, Rob Batiste. How do uh, and Deputy Sports Editor Gareth Leprevo. Hi, Tony. Uh, coming up, we'll be welcoming our first guest onto the show in his role with the Guernsey Sports Commission. Steve Sharman has been at the centre of things during this pandemic, working with our clubs and associations to help get them through. We'll be speaking to him about this second lockdown and lots more besides. Uh, speaking of lockdown, it's almost behind us, thankfully. The bailiwick bubble is back and so is competitive sport. We'll be looking ahead to what's to come over the next few few weeks and months. First though, chaps, let's start with our highlight of the week. Uh, now, you're not allowed to pick the first episode of the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Uh, that would probably be a little uh, self-indulgent. That said, what's caught your eye, Gareth? Well, I'm, I'm going to have a bit of a tenuous link to CI Sport here um, from uh, the world of rugby. Um, a story I was actually first led to by a tweet by Matt Banahan, the former Siam Cup player and England international. But um, a great bit of um, sportsmanship happened at the weekend. It's something that Banahan described as um, the best piece of sportsmanship he has seen in any sport for a long time, which was um, the Wasp player, Jimmy Gopeth, um, basically conceding a try to the opposition. Very, very gentlemanly of him, but um, basically Bristol Bears piled over the line and it was a typical rugby pushover try where you haven't got a clue if the ball's been grounded and the referee's looking at it, didn't have a clue. The player's getting off the pitch and... Uh, Jimmy Gopeth just said, ref, the try was scored. And the ref said, thanks very much, Jimmy. Award to try. And I just thought it was just a, it was just a lovely um, little moment of sportsmanship, which uh, certainly sort of cheered the heart. Um, but um, in terms of local sport, obviously can't wait till next week when all the um, domestic things start up again. But um, it's been great this week. We've had basically three of our top sports stars in action sort of day after day. Heather Watson... Unfortunately, lost in Monterey, but I've, she got a bit unlucky coming up against a player who's played five competitive matches this month, and she hasn't played since the Australian Open. Um, and also, we had Maya Letizia winning again with Brighton, uh, their fourth win on the trot. And we have Seb Prio going in the Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Um, and in all four testing sessions, he topped the timesheet. So he's looking very promising for a, a great season ahead for Seb. Great start from Seb. Rob, what's uh, your moment of the week? Well, it was a story, actually, in our own paper, which um, surprised me to a certain extent on Monday. Um, having sort of been aware of this, um, of the background of um, Martin Savinall's plight for some time, but we'd been requested not to go public on it. But it was great to see that on Monday that... Um, Nigel Bodan's wrote a story about uh, Martin Savinall along with his sister, Jess, um, announcing that they will be competing in the Granite Man Triathlon this September to raise money for the Teenage um, Cancer Trust. Now, football fans will probably know that Martin Savinall was a very, 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 very promising young footballer. Um, two years ago, he was part of the Guernsey Under-21 squad that won 4-3 at Springfield. In more recent times, he's been part of the Rovers squad. But um, what people are really unaware of, and which was revealed this week, was that two days after his 18th birthday in 2017, Martin was diagnosed with stage three testicular cancer, which must have been a, it's a huge blow for him to hear that for, at any time. But when you're 18 years of age, it must, be, must have been absolutely gutting and 
devastating news. Um, he was playing for Felrec at that time, and we didn't see him for an awful long period, and apparently it resulted in me undergoing eight months of intensive chemotherapy in Southampton General and three operations to remove tumours from his lungs. And last September, he had a tumour re removed from his stomach, by which time he was playing, had signed for Port, um, Rovers at Portsmouth. Um, Martin's a really great player, uh, very fast, direct, and I think he's got a big um, career ahead of him. And it's great to see that he's back, fully fit again. And I'm told by Kevin Gillies, the Rovers coach, that he'll play a big part in the Rovers run into a, a Premier League title this season. So I think from the whole of the Guernsey football public will be really great to hear that he's on the mend. And um, so support him when he comes down to the Granite Man Triathlon and give him some money. Fantastic um, to see. And yeah, we wish him... All the best with uh, yeah with with his comeback and and for that that credit man triathlon uh, not an easy thing to take on certainly not certainly not right it's time to welcome our very first guest onto the pod this man has his fingers in more pies than he has fingers on his two hands I think these days. Those hands are full with a key role at the Guernsey Sports Commission, where he operates under the title of Relationship Manager. Uh, he's also a fairly silent player in the exciting modernisation of the Valet bathing pools, a very active member of the Old Elizabethan Association. Uh, he sits on the board of directors at Elizabeth College. Uh, a former Ireland football manager, he's an assistant coach at Guernsey FC and supports his old club, Velrec, with coaching guidance. He paddleboards, uh, swims daily. Uh, it's rumoured he sleeps occasionally too. Welcome, Steve Sharman. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Hello, Gareth. Hello, Rob. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Been for a swim this morning? Um, I'm going this afternoon, yeah. I, I made sure that uh, this morning I was uh, went for a cycle and uh, to get here, but um, yeah, I will definitely swim this afternoon. Fantastic. Uh, now, Steve, I know you've been very, very busy recently. It's been a busy year. Um, clearly, uh, a lot of work to, to get local sport clubs associations through this pandemic and um, Let's just talk about this second lockdown, first of all, because it's obviously been very different to the first one. It came very much out of the blue. Uh, as we said before, it sort of started as a, as a two-week lockdown, but now, we, now we're here sort of eight weeks later and, and kind of emerging from it. Um, how, from your experience of, of talking and, and working with all the different sports, how has this affected them sort of differently perhaps to, to last year? Well, I think you're right, Tony. You alluded to the fact that... Um Initially, it came as this this shock to them, so closing down immediately. But um, I think we were, we've had a positive negative out of COVID. It um, it's made uh, our sports, our member sports, and the organisations on the island um, really think clearly how they about how they operate. Um, they're, they're, they're very well prepared to come back from this, this, this shortened lockdown. There's um, an enthusiasm. It gave them a time to um, look inwardly and, and, and what they were providing and, and how that could be the best product it, it, it possibly could. I think we, um, prior to lockdown, we, we, even on Guernsey, certainly different to the UK, but we, we live at a, a certain pace. And that pace on the island has gone up and up and up over a period of time and we are, we, you know, we're not all time billionaires, we're, we're time poor. Actually having that, this, this amount of time where we've had to stop has given, given these member sports that, that, that chance to think, well, why are we doing what we're doing? Are we doing it the best way we possibly can? Um, are we supporting and are we really thinking about our participants and gives it gives them the opportunity to tweak because normally the season starts, whatever sport you're involved with, the season ends, there's that rush to the finish line 
it's a breather, then you start to start again. So I think it's given us the opportunity within the Sports Commission to to really speak to, to, to individuals. And, and we've got, you know, I, I am consistently uh, in awe and amazed at um, the quality and level of administration that we have on the island in terms of our, our sporting organisations, the expertise there and the knowledge and understanding. But not just that, it is the desire and passion to make, you know, the, it, the best product they possibly can. But now I think it's, it really has given um, those organisations the chance to think and we're going to come back stronger. Do you think we'll see changes happening quite quickly in terms of that outlook and how it affects you know, actual fixtures in the diary or, or you know, what sessions look like, that sort of stuff? Well, I, I think it will because um, the environment will always, the environment will always has to be the influencer in, in, in how you deliver anything. You know, you have to understand your environment and if... Or, uh, if we have certain sports that are used to year on year going away and playing within Jersey or recently within the Isle of Man or going to the UK and they can't actually do that, then they, they have to look inwardly and say, well, actually, what are we going to offer? What can we actually do? How do we make what we're doing interesting, exciting to those to act to our members? And um, so, I, so I think there will be I think there will be. Um, there'll be a lot of work for you guys because there'll be a lot of stuff that's going on and you will be pulled from pillar to post to try and cover everything. But I think also we're also in that situation where the sports can provide some of that information and you know that sort of working together rather than just working in isolation. We've seen a great deal of that, not just between between sports, but also sports and other sectors on the island. So you know, people thinking clearly, look, people are going to want to do stuff why are we doing everything on the same day? Why don't we spread things out? Why don't we think about, you know, um, the, the people who, the guardians and the parents and the, or, or the family members who are involved as well? Why don't we think about the volunteers and actually try and have a, a calendar which is spread through the year? And we saw last year, you know, off the back of that first lockdown, um, you know, sports going to the, the States, to the, the Social Investment Fund for some support, some financial help. Is that the case this time as well? Has this second lockdown exacerbated any kind of financial problems there were or, or, or did that sort of long period of, of normality really kind of steady the ship? Well, I, I think that the Social Investment Fund, the Sports Commission, we were very successful in supporting sports the first time around and there was a real need. Uh, and, and basically, it also gave us the opportunity to shine a light for people within our government of the role that sport and physical activity plays and the the costs associated with that and 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 then the the the, the cost of not having those activities and and how much it costs to get them back up and running this time it's been a shorter period of time and i think that that where the pinch points have been and, and again um this has grown exponentially over the last you know 10 or 20 years are the number of um, paid employees that we have on the island that, that sport is a career for them and we have to be really cognizant of that so the first time round when we when we were looking at lockdown one of the priorities was to protect um employees protect those people that are involved in sport because if you haven't got we have got some you know really talented development officers people who work within the sports if you haven't got those people then it, you know all the hard work just falls away and then the other aspect was to protect um, the environments that they they actually participate in. So it hasn't been so so great. Uh, Social investment fund, um, you know, um, met 
actually yesterday to look at the small grants. They had uh, 49 small grants applications, not all from sport. And the great thing is, as a sports commission now, any grant that goes into Social Investment Fund or Guernsey Community Foundation, um, they come through the sport, the, the Guernsey Sports Commission, come through us to actually, so we can have a look and give them an insight. So it, it's not been so great the second time around, you know, I, 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 would, I would say. But, you know, there's that springboard for us to, to really go. There's a real appetite for that to happen. And, yeah, you talk about the... Um yeah, perhaps the, the the opportunity that we've had to to reassess things and and uh, and perhaps come out of this working better from a from a sports commission perspective. What are the things that that, that you're not perhaps leaning on sports to do, but will be encouraging them to do over the next sort of weeks and months and years? So I think the relevance of the sports commission over the last few years has has increased. We have a certain amount of trust now. We we we, we have got some teeth. Um, and we also um, are very, very keen to take on the responsibility that comes with that. So to, to act as a broker, to act as a negotiator with the government, to, to actually work on behalf of our members. Um, but I think it's incumbent upon us, that, as far as that's concerned, to say, well, actually, we are contributing to the wider picture of Guernsey society and making this a great place to live. We have a responsibility to say that sport is well run, it's well governed, it's financially sound, but also the safeguarding welfare of the participants, whether they be young or old, is there. So our quality assurance markers has been launched and, and, and was launched um, last week, uh, Sportsmark. And that's been something that we've been working on for about 18, 18 months. When I came back to the island seven or eight years ago, and I was still working for the Football Association at that time and traveling to England, and we were, we, then we were doing a huge amount of work around uh, charter standard, our quality assurance. And UK sport at the time had their own club mark and individual sports have their own, and they still do. I came back to the island and as ever, I'm a Guernseyman and a proud Guernseyman, but, you know, I'm, I'm greeted with, well, you're not going to tell us what to do. You know, you've been away for 25 years. We've always done it this way. This is the Guernsey way and this is how it happens. And that's absolutely right. You know, the tradition is a great thing for our island. Culture is a great thing and we have to wrap it in. But it's also the millstone around our neck that sometimes can drown us because you lose sight. And so the sports mark, the quality assurance mark for us is not a telling uh, initiative is to say we are now in a position to support you whatever that looks like but we want to make sure and we want to show our local community that sport is safe it's well run and by having this sports mark which which is annual you have to get that award every year we've given all our members three years to to achieve it it means that to to anybody who's looking has got that lens on sport and and, and maybe not even people who are sport you can say right okay that is a safe environment. Steve, um, have you, the sports market is fantastic, um, but have you met much resistance to it? None. And, and um, Robert, you know me well enough that um, I, I quite like a challenge and I quite like um, the rough and tumble of um, sensible argument and whatever. And, and for the life of me, I, I could not imagine an organisation or a club that wouldn't want to wouldn't want to, to take this on board. And actually, it would um, raise warning lights for me if they did, if they didn't want to come on board. Because it, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to be part of the Sports Commission. You can only benefit financially and through other resources, such as human and human resources and support for help writing development plans and, and all those other aspects. So it, uh, um, support with finding the best facilities on the island, brokerage with the government, all those sorts of things. It would really surprise me. So no. 
But are there any at all that had been dragging their heels? Yeah, I, I think that um, we have people who will always say, well, you know, um, it's a little bit like uh, having a boss who says, oh, my door's always open, but I'm never, I'm never, I'm never ever going to go out. Um, in, terms of, in terms of sport, when you look at some of the major ones that we have on the island, the high participation, um, we, we, we did a great review, and, and, and actually it, it's an exemplar of um, looking at a sport, and that's netball. So we looked at that major participation sport. We had Darren Dukmin, um, who, who, who was involved as a parent, and, and people will know him as a former deputy, um, and in many other guises. And we, when, when I first started at the Sports Commission, um, I spoke to about 350, 400 people involved in physical activity and sport on the island, looking at why they exist, what they did, and how they did it. And I wanted to get a measure of where they were in terms of their operation, their corporate governance, their safeguarding welfare. And honestly, out of all the member sports and all the people I spoke to, I had probably concerns that around 95% of them. Now, it wasn't because people were, were purposely doing something that was negative. It was, it was a lack of support. The Sports Commission wasn't there for them at that time. It was a lack of understanding. It was the way that we've always done this. So Netball was a really good example where um, there was um, some key people. Uh, all decisions were falling on one or two people um, who were, um, couldn't actually get in the helicopter, get up and see the bigger picture. There wasn't necessarily a vision. It was carrying on what we do, boom, 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 boom. But actually like a number of sports, it was, it was actually, we were world leading in squeezing people out of that activity. And they weren't the only sport. So we've done that root and branch review. We've challenged, we, we, we've, we, we've questioned, but we've all the way along the line provided scaffolding. So that, and that's the way that we look at it. We provide scaffolding to allow people to climb up and get out of this rather than say, okay, we're going to look at the foundations and then we're going to let you, let you try and get out yourselves. All the way along, it's saying, we're going to challenge that, we're going to support that, we're going to provide you. And, and, and Netball are well on their way. And, and, you know, part of that is to get a Netball Development Officer in place by September 2021, which we are really keen and, and we're sure we're on track to do. Just looking a bit further ahead then, and, and, a, and a, a, you know, about the, the pandemic as well, potentially, we, you know, we have seen in, in recent decades, the last decade or two, you know, this drive for island sport to, to be more outward looking, to be more elitist, to... You know, for, for island teams to go away and compete. Do you think that there'll be a, a slight realignment there and that, that, that potentially the pandemic will drive more kind of on-island focus? Well, uh, as always, um, the, the environment, as you say, is key. The, the question always has to be asked is why? Why, why does a sport exist and, and why are they doing what they're doing? And, and who is it benefiting? Fundamentally, we should, be, we should be both. We should be inward looking to our island to ensure we have the healthiest population. You're never going to win the argument with a politician because they only sit four-year terms. If they're lucky, they might sit an eight and a 12 or whatever, but they only sit four-year terms. So the argument to try and win around, well, look at 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, we're going to save you money healthcare-wise, is sometimes a very difficult argument because we don't, you know, people operate in that, that, that small time frame. Um, so, but inward looking, we need to uh, provide those pathways right from preschool through secondary education and the pathways. So we broaden our curriculum. We, um, we, we ensure that we've got those, uh, that, that, that essential toolkit is, is established at primary school and preschool, which is we're working on. And then we, 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 we ensure that the, the, the sports are absolutely well run for our population. That Now, then we also 
we say, right, okay, well, if your vision is that you also then want to come off the island and you want to use, you want to go and play, well, well, we're going to support that. How sustainable is it? Why are you doing it? You know, is it for our local population? And there are loads of positives around that. You know, absolutely because it, it, it extends the reach of and the name of Guernsey around the UK, around the world or whatever. And we've had loads of success around that. So we shouldn't be saying, oh, well, we're, not, we're anti-competition. You know, 32 years ago when I started teaching PE, I came into teaching in, in England at a time when there were loads of strikes and people stopped competitive sport, you know, and it went completely the other way and it was all about participation. And you'll have this discussion, people say, well, it's all about development and participation. Uh, it's not about um, winning an, an elite sport and competition. Well, there's both. Tony, if you and I went outside and we had a tennis ball and we played a little bit of football, I would try and beat you. Now, we would go at the end of it and we would, we would have a, we had a good time. But that is innate within, within human beings anyway. But we have to find the balance and we have to find what is right for Guernsey. And I don't think that's always been done. Um, Steve, um, Guernsey sport, as far as I can see, has made huge... There's been huge changes in the last 20 years. And one or two sports um, failed to recognise that there were going to be great changes ahead. I think golf particularly. Um, we, we look back into the recent times, people in the hundreds were queuing up to play golf. And, of course, then that suddenly fell away. But it's now recovering, which is great to see. Cricket, we saw a nosedive in terms of participation from the 90s through to um, 2010. I think there's been an adjustment now, a readjustment, and things are, pretty, are going pretty well across the board. But how would you see sport possibly in 20 years' time? Do you think we've got surprises ahead of us? Or will there be fundamental changes in how Guernsey sport will look in 20 years' time? Well, I, I think, Rob, it's a really good question. I think um, the relevance of sport will still be here on the island. I think there's never been a time where you, you, you've, you've got... Um, a combination of um, really people with enormous amount of expertise but also understand how the island operates as well. I think that's really important and are also consistently reviewing where the island is, almost that, that, that understanding that every 10, 15, 20 years it might reinvent itself in a certain way and understand what the population is and, and how it can service that population. I think the facilities piece is really, really interesting in 20 years. I think the next three, four, five, six years over here w will dictate um, some of the direction of certain sports because there will be facility developments on the island and we have to get those right. And I would challenge that we haven't always got those right um, for, for various reasons. Um, some of them are down to cost cutting, um, but, to, but, but also a real, not a really great understanding of what the facility is actually there for. You decide afterwards rather than deciding before. So um, I think in 20 years' time, if, if the work that we're doing within the Sports Commission continues as it is, a young population um, will have experienced and will have a better understanding, knowledge and skill attribution to decide what they want to do and the activities and the sports organisations will be there to welcome them. So I think it's a, th th there is a real opportunity that everything will be linked. And as there's many things in Guernsey, we operate in a multi-agency society. Um, some things aren't linked. Some people are very um, keen to keep it parochial. Well, what we want to do over the next 
few years, 10, 20 years, is, is blow that out and get everybody working a lot closer together. So I think it's in a positive state. Do you think this is going to be an expensive transition or do you think we've already got most of the facilities in place? It's just a question of just tweaking what we've got and thinking possibly out of the box about how we use some of those facilities, Beaux-Jour, for example. Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right. On, on the facilities that we have at the moment that are classed as community facilities, whether they be in school or whether they, they, they are Beaux-Jour, we, we, are, we are having those conversations on, on, on what that facility is there for. We know that some of our facilities that are built that have cost the taxpayer an enormous amount of money are used for an incredibly small amount of time. You know, we've done that piece of work. At the moment, Amy Fallais, um, Big Fowl's daughter, um, you know, she's 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 we're employing her as a research officer and she's doing a great piece of work around a facility audit for the whole island now i did a piece of work in 2019 around this just looking at a a snapshot and i was you know absolutely amazed at um the facilities that we have and how they were underused um and and there was a combination of reasons behind that again nothing that was um it it was again it it was a, a where you, where you have uh, sometimes a small bit of knowledge is quite dangerous, and but people weren't looking at the whole vision. They were looking at their area, and they weren't thinking how actually can we can we look at this in a much wider piece. So now we we have Beaux-Jour being used by the town primary schools, the Lamar de Cartre High School, to actually utilise those facilities that aren't being used during the day, and then that, that exposes children to other other environments. So. I, I, I think there is a there is a a, um, a real need to better use the facilities we have, and to learn from the mistakes around the way those facilities were built under the guise of community, but not really knowing what community was, and a real opportunity um, certainly through the education um, uh, sector, but also privately, um, there will be new facilities coming online that actually will really complement the, 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 the um, activity on the island for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So, so by the sounds of it, obviously a lot of work going on behind the scenes on facilities and, and making sure what we've got is, is used to the, the, the best of its capacity. Um, how, how does that play into this concept of sports hubs and, and, and the, the project you're working on there? Yeah, so um, we, we live on this, this really small island. And again, when I, I came back and had an overview of how activity happens, um, I, I think what I, what, I, what I found and what I, what I wanted to do, Guernsey is a perfect opportunity to not just look at sport in that silo, but to look at other activities and build that into community and what that really means from a Guernsey perspective. So um, to tie into other initiatives on the island, things such as active travel, the, the idea that you know, we have a, 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 an ageing demographic, um, we have community centres which are popular, um, we, 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 we have a, a population that, that, you know, we have a par- parochial system, we have parishes on the island. So to create hubs where um, complementary activities could take place across sport, intergenerational activities could take place. So with a small amount of investment, you you, you add in a facility such as a, a petonk terrain into an environment which suddenly allows an intergenerational experience to happen because if that's put into a, a football environment, say for example, Sylvan's football. Sylvan's football sits in a, in, in a community of, of, of the Western parishes within St. Peter, near to the Sticks Community Centre. It, it, you know, it, it already identifies itself that area uh, as being its 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 own sort of 
environment. I think it has its own sort of uh, uh, ecosystem as well. Um, but if you put up a tonk terrain in there, you know, chatting to people like Adrian Brown, you know, who's heavily involved in the club, you know, he wants it to be more than a football club. You know, so asking the question of why you exist, I do you exist to provide football? Well, we want to provide more something else for the community. We want to be something which is recognised for something else. And they have Yuka going on out of there. But for, 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 for myself, if, if we are, are wanting to look at um, some of the social issues that, that occur on the island and how sport can, can benefit some of those alongside other third sector organisations. You know, I was chatting with Sir Richard Collis yesterday about this and now he's chair of the Guernsey Community Foundation. If we can work alongside art organisations, you know, one for it comes to mind, Arts for Impact, we, we're looking at doing, doing some work with them at Sylvan's Football Club, which, in, which encourages the population to use that environment for a number of complementary activities, not only just sport. Um, and that actually combats loneliness. It helps mental health. It helps physical health. It helps the whole idea of really what community does mean. If you look at it at a KG5 perspective, and, you know, the, the, the fantastic work over the years that, that Stuart, you know, Stuart Fuller has put in there and, 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 and you know, the, the thought process, I mean, Gareth's brother, you know, Stu working there, um, the facilities they have. Now, their mindset might be, well, okay, previously, we're going to have that group in and that group in and that group in because that brings in money and it goes onto our bottom line. And what I'm trying to do is to get them to think about, well, if you bring that group in and that group in, that might bring other people in to do something else. And if you have a petanque terrain or if you have the opportunity for complementary activity like outdoor volleyball to go on, those people might drift in and play lacrosse. We've got a great lacrosse set up by Liv Harmon now. That's one of our member sports. It's operating out of KG5. And you get this sense and this feel that, that, that suddenly a, 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 a nice environment where you have crossover you know, in a, in a wonderful place with a, with a nice social area and suddenly families can come down and different age groups and you suddenly create, you know, this hub environment. And we have those over the island and, you know, they don't all have to be um, all singing or dancing like KG5. They can be something very, very simple. Um, so I, I've looked at maybe seven or eight of those around the island. We've had some success. We have um, had some sort of pushbacks. The pushbacks will always come because it's it's about individuals and you've got to work out actually sometimes how this is going to happen. And ego is always going to play a part. And sometimes you've got to just work a little bit. You go round the, round the barrier or through the door in a different way and make it out that it's, it's somebody else's idea and they've come up with it and makes them look good. And I'm quite happy to do that as long as it happens. And what's the next uh, sort of cab off the rank in, in terms of this sort of sports hub concept? Then what, what are you working on that we might see in the next? Uh, so uh, so? I think you, at College Field, um, Elizabeth College will, will have, um, we've obviously got football operating out of there. We've got the OEA cricket happening out of there and cricket is obviously a venue for cricket. We're, we're setting up um, a croquet club that's going to operate out there um, under a, a guy called Chris Brock. Um, who was who was a, um, a contemporary of mine uh, at school? Elizabeth College lives across the way. Um, so uh, so so yeah, Chris is Chris is looking to do that. Um, we've got a petonk terrains going in at the college field uh, uh, as well. So that that that's area. We we've looked at um, some work at the Valrette Football Club, um, looking at how they could use that that space. Um, they've obviously already got bowls and, and, and football down there, but how, how else they could use that space? Rovers is a great one. I mean, Rovers is a fantastic opportunity. You know, we've already got archery, cricket, football operating out of there. They do some work with the, uh, with the, with the states around um, 
uh, disabled groups as well that, that go into go in there. But we're we're also um, also looking to to, to utilise that space and see how we could put other activities down there. Um, Guernsey Touch, which is uh, the Guernsey Touch Rugby organisation, I met with them last week. They're going to operate out of there again. Another complementary activity. Um, so there are a number of these. With anything, you know, people just have to come to me and say, look, we've got this space, we've got this, this opportunity. I can always, you know, find people to go there. And, and, but it has its own. I don't, what we don't want to do is people competing against each other. It's pointless. You know, that is a pointless because it becomes very sort of uh, very insular. And we can do that in Guernsey. You know, it's very easy for us to go back to being very insular and very protective and, and this. Um, I, you know, we, we, I, I just don't want that to happen. And I want to ask you quickly about Alderney as well, because there's been some appointments there recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, uh, how significant are those developments in terms of kind of bringing some sort of parity in Alderney in, in terms of, you know, for, for, for young and old um, in terms of access to sport? Yeah, so, so again, again, the environment, but it's down to people. We, we, we've got some great people working up there. You know, Tom Vale's up there as a development officer for us. Richard Hunt has come in and, uh, uh, from an ordinary perspective and I mean just look at you know his CV and his background you know to say he would be an able administrator is, is you know is, is actually being rude to him um, in, in terms of where he's been in the diplomatic corps and whatever so um, yeah Alderney along with you know some great work being done by Simon Brazier that there are people there Martin Winwood people there who who really get it now they understand that actually by working together and they understand you know, if you ask them why they want to do what they want to do. So looking at how we develop a community sports hall, how we get that swimming pool up off the ground, how we make sure that the clubs are, are working together for the benefit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm heading up to Alderney in a, in a few weeks and Jeremy Frith's doing a lot of work up there. We're going to send Amy up there to look at the facilities. So, again, it's a whole island vision. What do they want to do? Rather than say, well, we've got a football club and we've got a rugby club and we do this and we do that, but actually pull it all together, you know, saying, well, actually in the next 20 years, we want to achieve this. And actually set pretty high targets. And I think that's the same for Guernsey. In 20 years, we want to do this. We want to be world leading in this. Not, not you know, and we have that opportunity, you know, through lots of things, through education, through sport, we can be world leading in delivering that comprehensive offer. Fantastic. Well, I think, yeah, it's going to be a bumper second edition of the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Steve, you've been very generous with the time. Really interesting to chat. Lots to work on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back on uh, at some point to, to see how you're getting on. Well, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a, this is a fantastic initiative for Guernsey and Guernsey Sport. So um, good luck. And uh, yeah, whenever you want me back, um, yeah, I'm more than happy to come back. Well, great to have our first guest uh, on the Guernsey Press Sport podcast, Steve Sharman there. Uh, clearly a very busy man and, and lots of work going on behind the scenes at the Sports Commission. Oh, he is. And he and Jeremy Frith uh, are driving a lot of work um, at the Commission. And I feel that the last two two years, the, the body has really sort of taken off again, having sort of um, been fallen into a lull for, 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 for a while I'm not sure what its position and what its role was in Guernsey Sport, I think. Um, but it's um, with Guernsey, with Grantchester in the background. Um, overall, guiding it, I think it's in, in great shape and um, long may that continue. Now, let's just finish off uh, today's show with a, a quick look ahead to what's coming up because, 
yeah, very welcome news that the, the island is moving to stage three of the, the lockdown exit on Monday. It means sports back. We're all very happy in here. Lots of smiles around this table. Um, now, something to, to, to start with is, is football. Um, competitive football returns from Monday. We've got Jeremy Cup semifinals on Tuesday and Wednesday. A couple of juicy Jeremy Cup semifinals. And then next weekend, we go straight back into the FNB Prio League title chase with some one particularly cracking game there. Uh, actually, sorry, two. Rovers playing Sylvans and St Martins also playing North. And we'll have much more on that next week. On Monday, we're going to be um, premiering a, a football-specific podcast. So in the same feed that you're getting this show, um, on a Monday, we'll be chatting football for the, this sort of late extended season that we're going to yeah, be having. Yeah, we've got eight, ten last. weeks of it, um, Tony. And I'm looking forward to um, seeing Chris Tardiff, who's our first guest. He's agreed to come in on Monday, so we'll have a nice chat about Marathi football, um, the domestic game, and perhaps even touch on his career and professional career in the UK. So yeah, much more to come on on the return of football and, and, a, and a look ahead and a preview of the uh, well, what's potentially shaping up to be quite an exciting Premier League title race and every, everything else that's going to be going on. Uh, Gareth, let's just talk about hockey. Um, obviously, a, a, another sport which had its, its season very much firmly interrupted by this second lockdown. Where do things stand and, and, and how do things look for the end of it? Well, they're going to be finishing their league programme. There's not too many league games left. Um, I'm not sure what they're planning to do in regards any potential knockouts, but most of February was actually already scheduled to be knockout sort of uh, tournament hockey. So they haven't missed out too much on, on their league programme, which is great for them. Um, they're looking to start pretty much straight away. I think the, um, Saturday the 27th, I imagine the top flights will be starting again. Indies will be continuing their push towards the title in the men's division. They've been outstanding this season. They've um, won every game they've played. Not, not um, they're not all by by big margins. There's been some cracking games, but they just keep managing to come out on top. And in the women's league, um, it's, there's been some great games there. And uh, Amazons, who are still unbeaten, they've had a couple of draws, but they've won most of their games. They'll be looking to push on towards their title as well. And I imagine they must be considered favourites, even though there's still a few games to play there. Oh, looking forward to seeing uh, yeah, hockey return down there. And, uh, and news this week as well that, that the ambition is to have two interinsulars they're, they're talking about um, doing a, a book-ended season so that um, one of the islands, I think it will be Jersey first, will host one at the start of the 2021-22 campaign and then there'll also be the traditional sort of March edition in the other island um, to, to try and catch up with what's been missed in, in the pandemic. But um, yeah, I think that that will be um, particularly welcome for the hockey guys because they love a challenge of playing Jersey. Great stuff. Uh, Rob, what else is uh, on the horizon? Well, next week we can see the return of some snooker. The chase for the top title there where Sledgehammers have a very, very um, demand and commanding lead. But the Villette Hotel Gremlins, the former champions, will be looking to perhaps um, eat into that lead. We've got some table tennis that starts um, next week. We've Division 1 matches on Wednesday night. And then, of course, next weekend, we've got our first golf, I believe, um, with the qualifying for the Henderson Cup, which is a very, very long-standing and prestigious um, um, competition um, in the local golf scene. Fantastic stuff. And, and netball, obviously, uh, you know, another um, major sport that's, that's on the verge of, of, a, of a comeback, but they're just still working out exactly what the end of season is going to look like. Yes, that's what we believe. We're, um, they haven't quite come to um, 
terms with it fully yet, but um, no doubt that'll be back soon. Right, fantastic stuff. We'll leave it there because um, yeah, it was a, a very lengthy chat with Steve. Um, some really interesting stuff. We'll be back next Thursday with another Gunty Press Sport podcast. Watch out for the football-specific show uh, on Mondays for the rest of the season as well. Uh, we are now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so follow the show uh, on there or whichever podcast player you use uh, to make sure you get every episode uh, as it's published. And yeah, tell your friends, rate and review online, uh, give us a tweet, let us know your thoughts, send any questions. Generally, get involved uh, on social media at Guernsey Press Sport, at GSY Press Sport on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, thanks very much, chaps. Uh, another one in the bag. We'll see you next week. Yeah.